Because uh, Seven was one of the movies on our poll that actually got a vote. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Seven. Um, I don't know if I really qualified as a B-movie, but it's It's definitely like a noir kind of a... It's, it's a crime drama, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really, really good movie. I guess we should get that out of the way. Yeah, really good. Recommend it on all accounts. Um, Not a beat movie. No, no. Um, Because Morgan Freeman does not act in beat movies. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's it's one of those, like, kind of influential movies, though. I remember watching it growing up, and maybe this makes me sick, but I wanted to live in that world. It was always raining and dark. Ah. And, like, you know, there was crazy murders going on, but I was just thinking, like, man, stuff happens in that world. There's always something. <laughs> I, I was kind of a weird kid. And I continue to be a weird adult. I'm silly, Mike. It's set in the real world. <laughs> you live in the real world. It's still... <laughs> nothing ever seems that... You should be a homicide detective, and then you would know. Maybe. I mean... Probably not. You'd be like, fuck this shit. I want to go watch movies. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, "Ah, there's dead people and lots of blood, and... It sounds like death. It's really gross. I have to wash my hands, like, every five minutes, and I'm getting no work done. This guy tried to get touched by the flying spaghetti monster in the worst way possible. (laughs) Um... But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I watched the movie for the first time when I was about 10 or 11 because yeah. it came out when I was about 10 or 11 and um, I'm pretty sure my parents did not know what it was when I asked to rent it and I think they regret that night <laughs> <laughs> well I give them kudos for Sitting through the whole thing with you, though. I, it was uh, during the time when I had friends stay over a lot. Because, uh, you know, the, before junior high, you're still in grade school. And you have friends that come over every weekend. Dude, I don't know what you're talking about. I still had friends come over every weekend up into and beyond high school. Oh, yeah. You you come over here every weekend. That's true. I'm not saying that it <laughs> stops. I'm just saying that that's when it starts. No, but but I was saying, well, I guess it's not different for you either, because I was going to say this day of the night, but I fall asleep on your couch all the freaking time. So, uh, that that's work. when it was new and amazing. Yeah. You're like, um, oh my god, these people don't live here, but they're in my house still, and it's over. It's after ten. Like, because just the way you make it sound, like, you know, you got in trouble for Harry Potter books, and like... 
I'd half expect them to get like two minutes into this movie. It's like, yeah, you can't watch this. The thing is, though, like the whole like my mom being crazy, like Christian super, super Jesus, happened when I was twelve. Okay. We didn't start going to church until I was twelve. So before that, she'd have been like, oh yeah, read whatever you want. Whatever's clever. And then we started going to church, and she's like, hmm, I'm going to take away Pokemon, which you've been playing for nine years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take away these children's books that you will probably have to read in school. And you can no longer go trick-or-treating, because that is evil. It's like she would just get these random pamphlets or whatever that would say, this is what the church is accepting this year, and this is what we're denying this year. Because it was completely arbitrary. Like mm-hmm. like I said before, I was able to read like Fight Club and Choke and Tolkien and but no, not Harry Potter. Not Harry Potter. Well because Harry Potter somehow that's more evil than the wizards of Middle Earth. Yeah. Or all the wizards in Narnia. Narnia. She took me to see the 99 play, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. I saw that play with her, but can't read Harry Potter. <laughs> it was kind of funny. One of my atheist <laughs> friends loved the Narnia series. That's a good story. And I'm like, you know that that's just a uh, thin veil over Jesus craziness, right? And she's like, no, you're, you're lying. I'm like, no, I'm not. Aslan's Jesus <laughs> like just read anywhere and she was really upset she was like oh, I feel cheated <laughs> yeah I, you know I felt the same way because I didn't know that it was a thin veil of the bible story until after the movie came out and it was too late yeah I didn't like it anyway though. <laughs> oh well I wasn't a big fan of the movie I was more so, like, against it because they called a closet a wardrobe. But I was like, why do they call it a closet? It's a fucking closet! They're British. Yeah, I didn't know that when I was in sixth grade. Um, I always remember thinking that Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe should have been more awesome than it was. To get back to the subject of Seven, it is uh, one of the earlier films by David Fincher who would later be known for Fight Club, especially by myself. Um, he also did... He did Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That was one of his most recent ones. And he's done Zodiac. Um, and just other... He's got a very distinct visual style to all of his movies. They're all kind of dark and trippy. And I think Seven was probably the first of his movies that I watched... In Social Network. Social Network, I forgot that one, yeah. Yeah. Which was also very stylized and kind of dark. Also had soundtrack by... Transgressors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we mentioned that about Seven yet. Yeah, um, Seven's got this awesome opening sequence set to Closer. Well, like an instrumental version of Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Um, And it's really kind of... It's nice. Well, I guess it's nice isn't the word. It's industrial. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. 
it's 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 this just scenes of uh, a man cutting his fingertips off and sewing up his crazy rants into notebooks and like just going through his like disfigured people pictures and it's it's uh, it's meant to elicit a response you know you're supposed to look at that and like be like man that's that's kind of fucked up no no I mean honestly this movie is such a font of stuff to talk about from the movie itself like yeah. uh, like uh, we were talking about how you wanted to read those notebooks as a kid oh yeah and so did I uh, so in the in the movie there uh, Kevin Spacey he's a nut job and he um, he's the murderer you know that from the beginning so I'm not spoiling it Mm-hmm. And but he's got these notebooks that they're like full of stuff that he just wrote, and I just want to read them. And I want, I don't really care if they're actually notes that he would have written as his character. I just want to read them. Like I don't care if it's just like filler crap. Like read this notebook. There's some notes in this notebook. I'm putting some things in this notebook. I don't care. I just want to see what it says because it's just. Notebooks and notebooks just full of very evenly spaced capital letters. And there's at least, well, that's the theory. There is at least three or four full pages that exist that we know of because you see them. But other than that, they could just like have notebooks stacked and they're just like props. But I don't know. I always wanted to read them because I've always been fascinated by serial killers. And I'm just fascinated by the mind of somebody that murders people. Because, uh, I don't know, it's just... There's always that one thing within yourself that, like, values human life. And I have to imagine that there's, like, a completely different way of thinking if you don't have that. And, obviously, serial killers don't. Or maybe they still have that and they just ignore it. But, yeah, um, <laughs> so... Like, I guess Seven's really cool because it's like, um, it's like the story of the unmaking of a man. You think so? Well, like, they pretty much destroy Brad Pitt in this movie. Yeah, he was like Johnny Goodboy. Yeah. And, uh, not to be confused with Johnny Goodboy from Battlefield Earth. Not right. the same at all. Is there really a character named Johnny Goodboy? It's the main character's name. Um, I saw that movie once It was over here at Mal's house It was at a party And everybody had stopped watching And I don't know why I kept watching I tend to like to troll my friends I invite them over and say We're gonna we're gonna do some fun things Like watch movies and stuff And then I make them watch Battlefield Or, or Planet of the Apes Or something just really that these people are definitely not into. <laughs> I think Alex threw on Battlefield Earth, actually. He's a jerk. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of funny, because it's, it's the story about how this, like, young and, like, full of life cop, you know, like, uh, a true believer... We're back to seven now. Yeah, We're seven. off Battlefield. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, like, Brad Pitt's this cop, and he's coming into this, uh, <clears throat> precinct, which I think was supposed to be New York, but I can never find out where it actually uh, he was. He said, or er, Morgan Freeman's character said they were in New York at one point. Okay, so 
Yeah, he comes into New York Homicide Division, and it's apparently like one of the worst gruesome homicide divisions. And uh, like Brad Pitt comes in, and he still believes in justice and like goodness in the world and stuff. And Morgan Freeman's character is like everybody sucks and stuff is horrible everywhere. And like by the end of the movie, Brad Pitt is kind of given his point of view, like kind of like gotten to Morgan Freeman and kind of like reignited his belief in humanity almost but he also ends up losing it himself so I like David Fincher's stuff um he's a pretty good director Every t- um, after seeing Seven again watching it all the way through you can re- I remember like parts in the movie where there was obvious foreshadowing yeah yeah but you don't see that stuff in movies anymore. It was really subtle in this movie, as with most of David Fincher's work. And like, I think if you look at David Fincher's stuff, you, you know, even to this day, it's still really subtle foreshadowing and all that fun stuff. Yeah. I remember on the Fight Club commentary track with him and uh, Chuck Palahniuk. You know, that is like one of the only commentaries I've not heard. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's one with him and Chuck Palahniuk on on uh, the Fight Club commentary, and they're they're watching the movie, and Chuck's just sitting there being like, "Wow, this is really cool. I should have written this into the book." <laughs> like all over the place. I don't know. I, I yeah, Fight Club was my Bible in high school. I, I remember that Mal and I met because of Chuck Palahniuk. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> also because of physics. Thank yes. you, Roy. Indeed, thank you, Roy and Chuck. And yeah, to this day, Fight Club is still probably one of my top five movies. Or maybe not. At least in the top ten. I've got a lot of movies, but... It was definitely a movie that I watched over a hundred times. Yeah. And read twice. I remember that I never wanted to see Fight Club, because I thought it sounded like a stupid movie about boxing. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to watch this. I didn't know anything about it, just I heard the name. And then I finally did watch it. I'm like, oh my god. I almost missed the most awesome thing ever because I'm stupid. I know. I know a lot of people that haven't seen Fight Club for that very reason. Or or they think it's just a movie about people beating up innocent people. No, it's not not about that. That doesn't even happen. (laughs) Yeah. As a matter of fact, innocent people beat them up sometimes. Sometimes. Um, but yeah, so... So, Kevin Spacey is a t-shirt, and you are not your fucking khakis. Exactly. Uh, Kevin Spacey plays an amazing, crazy murder person. And, you know, they, they make a big point of pointing out that it's dismissive to call him crazy. Um, and, and it's true to some extent. He is very dedicated to his cause, which was, you know, it's it's a religious thing. He believes that the world is kind of crap, and people are tolerating these sins, and they should be made... Be held accountable for them. Yeah, held accountable, but, and made a... Examples of? Yes, there you go. Made examples of. Um, and so, like, he really believes it, and so you could say that he's crazy, but it's also... He's it's also passionate. kind of like, um, 
Morgan Freeman's character and Kevin Spacey's character are very much on the same wavelength, except for Morgan Freeman's character doesn't take it to the point of killing people right. in these crazy, weird ways. Um, because they're, they're both kind of thinking that the world is crap. Mm-hmm. And they both think that, you know, one of them thinks that something should be done about it, and the mm-hmm. other one thinks that there can't be anything that you can do about it. Right. And that is definitely a good parallel there. I mean, we're I like it. We're getting into like some film school stuff over this movie. So I want to know if there is actually like a Midwest in New York. Oh, because of the the whole big open big field. open field with power lines. Well. I have uh, we've got family in New York, Syracuse, New York, and Syracuse, New York is very much like kind of suburb area. So like, I was just under this huge impression that like New York was only a city. Like New York City took over the whole state. No, New York, no. New York is exactly like that. But uh, <laughs> there is definitely some more. Suburby type areas now. Big open dry field. I don't know anything about. Yeah, because it looked like the middle of Nebraska. Um, and that could have just been convenience. You know, they're like, we need the dry field. We'll shoot in Nebraska, and nobody knows the, knows that they aren't in New York. Uh, so I mean, who knows? But another thing I noticed a lot of is it seemed like. It rained in almost every scene of the movie, except once they finally had Kevin Spacey. Yeah. And I didn't know if that was like... It seems like that might have been a deliberate choice. Oh, probably. So we uh, we noticed Dr. Cox in Seven. Yeah, Dr. Cox is in Seven. His name is California. California. Um, he's a sniper, or yeah. he's either... No, he was a sniper, I thought. In a, uh, in a helicopter at the end. Yep. Doesn't do anything else. But um, yeah, overall, it's it's a very compelling story. It's the murder scenes. Well, there's no actual murders. Showing that is something I also was thinking about. Like when it came out, it was like one of the goriest like movies that parents were like, "Don't let your kids see this." Yeah. Kind of movies. And now, watching it, it's like, are they going to show the autopsy? Because this is less than what they show on Bones every week. See, yeah, they didn't show anything, and that's actually something that you, uh, it's it's like something that filmmakers do sometimes, you don't even think about it. Your mind will fill in so much stuff, like, you know, you'll remember all this gore, gory stuff happening in the movie, and... Really, all it is is like it's the after effects of the crimes. Like you know, you you're it's a crime procedural. It's yeah. a detective story. It's you, you don't know. see anybody dying. You don't nothing. You don't see any of the kills. You don't see all the bodies. Like yeah. they don't show. Uh, like the pride girl got her nose cut off, but you never see a close up of her face. Yeah, and they didn't show uh, lust at all, and. Mm. That was because that was probably really gruesome. The dark grittiness of this movie, though, it always it was kind of reminding me of, uh, to some extent, another movie I really liked growing up. Have you ever seen Eight Millimeter? Nicholas Cage, I believe. Uh, no. 
Eight millimeters is uh, it's another like crime procedural kind of a thing. Um, it's kind of disturbing. It's it's about well, he's like <laughs> I can just see him. Like I see a caricature of Nicolas Cage playing a detective. Nicholas Cage, why? <laughs> why are you doing stuff anymore? Well, he's more of a private eye, and this isn't like him doing stuff anymore. <laughs> this is some time ago. Yeah. But um. But the story is there's this old rich guy that dies, and amongst his safe they find many things, but one thing that they find in particular is he had a snuff film, which they make fun of in this and Family Guy, where uh, Peter goes to Lois's dad's house, and there's like, I would never feel right at your family functions, and they're like watching this snuff film, and it's like, is he really going to kill that girl? <laughs> and she's like, shh, Peter. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, they find the snuff film, and the the daughter of the man that died wants to know if it's real, and so he goes into this whole underground world of snuff films and really weird porn and stuff. And I mean, he, but yeah, he, he looks into the snuff films and he finds out that like he'll see two, he'll see a girl get killed in two different movies and stuff. So most snuff films are actually fake and all that, but. Like, they they really do track down the people that supposedly killed these girls. But yeah, it's kind of just, like, it's the same kind of feel. It's like a lot of, like, dank, kind of dirty alleys and stuff. and Yeah. All darkly lit. And it's gritty. Like Batman. Gritty. Yeah, indeed. Much like Batman. Batman. <laughs> Batman. 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 I got you covered, Commissioner. I'm your... So this is a completely off-topic thing, but how awesome is the the old-style fighting in those Batman 60s movies? Oh my gosh. With the big old Biff. There's always Biff. Yeah, and pow. (laughs) Pow you get, bang you get, but Biff. I don't know how you Biff something. And bop. Bop. And splash. <laughs> you <Yeah>. splash. <laughs> what splash? Well, they're fighting in the water. Ah. Oh man. I I recently found out on YouTube that they have like all the Batmans. Like the whole everything. All the 60s Batman is on YouTube. They have a lot of everything on YouTube. 60s Spider-Man oh, is on God. YouTube. Yeah, I, I'm fully aware that there was, like, a 60s live-action Spider-Man somewhere. I've seen it. And I'm sure it's terrible. And it's hilarious. I'm pretty excited. I have got a new movie coming in soon. I thought you were about to say you had a new movie coming out. I was like, when were you in a movie? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I do have an idea for a movie. And maybe that's something that I can do. There may be a B movie or B cast presents feature B-cast films. B cast presents the C movie by Mike Keltner. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the sea. You take shots of like the sink <laughs> <laughs> full of water with a little boat in it. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I've got I've got a movie coming. It's called Dear God No. Um, I don't know a lot about it, except that there's nuns that are also either strippers or something like that, and <laughs> there's bikers, and it was the guy that did the poster for it, did the poster for Father's Day as well. Um, 
It's one of those. Yeah. But I like those. Silly movies. Um, he, I mean, he also did the, the poster for Hobo with a Shotgun. So I think Seven is like... Um, I think the guys from Saw got their ideas from Seven. Yeah, actually, I've, I've thought that for a long time. Like, I felt like the first Saw was almost as good... Well, not... It was very good and, like, a decent homage to Seven, I felt. But yeah, no, like, I really liked the first Saw. I thought it was... I feel like the first Saw had more potential than to become the first in a annualized horror movie franchise back in the day. Like, I thought it was something close to what Seven was, but then they just made all these sequels and kind of... I like all the movies as a whole, but yeah, you're right. Like, after the first one, they all kind of went downhill in quality, and then they got really overcomplicated. Yeah. And then you're like, what? At the end, at the very, very end, you're just like, oh, I thought it was this guy the whole time, and it's not. No, I mean, I don't dislike the Saw movies. I've still only seen the first three. Do you know who it is? No. I mean, because I'm guessing the end is the end of seven? The the seventh one? Yeah, well, I didn't know if you looked up the ending or what. No, I have not. Oh, well, you should. (laughs) Um, No, I can't even think of any characters that are in all three of the first Saw movies other than the ones that are are blatantly shown as the people in Saw 1, 2, and 3. Well, it's not... Well, the guy in the very end who it is, he's not in all the movies. Before 7, I didn't even really know about the 7 Deadly Sins. Like, because, you know, I've grown up Christian to some extent, and there were the Ten Commandments... Well, it's not a Protestant thing. Okay, so it's so it's probably some something you didn't know about. Is it very like Catholic or? Yeah, um, like in the movie, you can see like the the books that he suggests. Yeah. Him to read. That's like the only places they are. They're not in. They're the not Bible. actually in the Bible. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of things in like Christian folklore that's not in the Bible. That, that's like some... angels. It doesn't even say anything about angels in like the oldest version of the Bible that you can find. Oh, yeah? Yeah, nothing. What about goblins? No. It does talk about Leviathan, though, so that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I want to meet a Leviathan one of these days. You want to be a Leviathan? <laughs> I said I want to meet one. It's a, it's a giant snake. Oh, no. Okay. It's a big water snake. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Loch Ness Monster. Nessie, yeah. You know what else is a good procedural kind of a movie like this killer condom no no (laughs) no no that movie can't possibly be on any kind of level as this movie you know what you'd be surprised it's actually really good would you rate it on an A movie level no (laughs) then it is not it's a B movie doesn't mean the killer condom's not also very good. Yeah. It was it's based off of a French comic and it's actually in French. Ah. I just watched the French ver- uh made for TV version of Les Mis. Nice. It's six hours long. Wow. Okay, yeah. not so nice. It's pretty good though. I I'm actually quite interested in Les Mis. It didn't have a whole lot of like extra stuff that wasn't necessary. It was all like 
book-worthy stuff. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I like I like foreign films. It's really cool because they actually they just think of things a completely different way, and so like you'll get movies that you would never get in the states. Just oh yeah, because of like. I mean, honestly, some, some nationalities excel. Like, Japanese do a lot of crazy horror films. Although they're almost always possession by creepy little girls. I don't know, have you seen Ichi the Killer? I've seen a decent amount of it. I have it. That's not a possession movie. No, it's not. Um, it's it's Tashihiki, Tashiki Mike, something like that. Takashi Mike. Suicide Club's an interesting one. It's like all these kids. Do they kill each other because they're in a club? No. They kill themselves because they're in a club? Kind of. Well, they're not actually in a club. They just, people all over the place are just like, I'm going to kill myself. That's pretty cool. And they just kill themselves and... <laughs> nice sound effects. Ha- um, have you seen Bunraku? No. Was that that movie that the weird guy from Dragon Con was talking about? Yeah. No, it looked really interesting, um, but I have not seen it yet, no. It's pretty good. I actually came home and watched it. It's um, very artistic, um, Jap- or samurais and cowboys kind of a thing. Woody Harrelson's in it. Samurai films are weird. I, I saw... I remember when they were really big for a while with like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I didn't... I didn't ever see that one, but I saw one called Hero, because Quentin Tarantino was a producer, which means he gave him like a dollar and put his name on it, or, you know, he had really, he had nothing to do with that movie, but it was so, like, ridiculous that, like, there were these two Japanese people that fought at one point, and they'd be flying up in the air, and it's it's supposed to be believable, like, they just leapt, and they've got all this momentum, and they'd fall every now and then. And when they were falling, they would dip the tip of their sword into the water. And that gave them enough momentum to fly back up ah! into the air. Attack of my flock. So, like, yeah, just ridiculous all the way around. I got into a lot of weird movies because Quentin Tarantino put his name on them. There's one called Daltry Calhoun to this day that I don't really get the point of. I don't know, I'll have to watch it again. Oh. Assuming I still own it. But I I just, I keep the stuff that's really important and the stuff that I'm obsessed with, like Tarantino, actual Tarantino films, Kevin Smith stuff, you know, and various B-horror movies that I love, and stuff like, um, you know, Fifty First Dates. I don't necessarily need to keep that. (laughs) Why did you keep that? (laughs) No, I said stuff like that I don't need to keep. Yeah. Um... Like, I, I don't know. It's just kind of that thing. Because sometimes I'm like, I've got too many movies. One can never have too many movies. One but, can just have not enough space. <laughs> Fair enough. If I think if I had all the space and all the monies that I wanted, I would just keep collecting them. And They're making a Lamez movie. It's coming out in this Christmas season. Yep, it's got Anne Hathaway. Um, well, when it comes to Christmas season, I'm going to be all about Django Unchained. Django Unchained is the story of a slave. I thought you said it was the story of a slave. I'm like, no, Mike, that is um, Citizen Kane. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's um, the story of a slave 
He gets hired by a uh, bounty hunter to be help him out pretty much. He was, he's tracking somebody down and if he helps him with the the people he's he's hunting. If he helps him with the tracking down of the people? Yeah. He'll help him find the ones that killed his wife and kid I think. Something like that. You know, I don't know. The plot doesn't necessarily sound that amazing to me per se but... Tarantino's got his name on it. Well, he doesn't just have his name on it. He directed it and wrote it. So. He's got his name on it in multiple places. Oh. Uh, so, you know, like, it's just one of those things where, like, I, I always give it a chance if it's Tarantino because I was not terribly impressed by Kill Bill at first. I thought, like, what the fuck is this craziness? And then when I... Act, well, this is based on previews and just stuff I heard. Mm-hmm. Then when I went to the theater, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> so I just watched uh, Dust Till Dawn recently for nice. the first time all the way through. Yeah? Yeah. What do you think of it? I loved it. It's a good movie. Um... It's really unbalanced, though. Like, I like how you said, for the first time all the way through. Because for the longest time, I'd only ever seen that movie from the point that they were vampires. Yeah. And so, like, when I finally got it on DVD, it's like, hey, there's this whole, like, part in the front where there's a, you know... There's a plot. I know, right? Yeah. And the plot has nothing to do with the actual movie. It's like... Take this story, take this whole story, this movie is just the middle part. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it's home to the line, Psychos do not explode when the sun touches them, no matter how crazy they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, it, it's a fun film. Um, Tarantino is actually in the film. Yeah, he, he, he's a, he was a partial... Like director, it was Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino both like wrote and directed on this, and honestly, you can kind of tell the plot part. That's all Quentin Tarantino. When it comes to vampires, that's all Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, they were like, let's make this movie about thieves, and they are trying to escape to Mexico, and uh, they they kill people along the way, and Robert Rodriguez is like, let's put vampires in there. Let's have Selma Hayek in there for, like, four seconds. Yeah, it, it is, honestly, it's like one of those, um, those, like, story exercises where you give one person a story to start writing, and then you give it up to the next person, and the per- next person doesn't care about the story at all, and it's like, this is boring. Vampires! <laughs> 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 Boobs and vampires. <laughs> and so... And truckers. Bikers. <laughs> yeah, um... Uh, this guy's a trucker that fits. Um, it is. It is an Cheech and Chong. An amazing movie. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and it stands out because it was the first movie I ever saw Tom Savini act in, and it was it was the first movie I saw Danny Trejo in. Oh yeah, Danny Trejo's in it. Yep, Danny Trejo is in all three of the <laughs> Dust Till Dawn movies. There's more. Yeah, there's three. I didn't know that. Um, the sequel's not. Is decent. The third one I didn't like at all. Yeah, so From Dust to Dawn 2 is like a natural sequel, and From Dust to Dawn 3 is like a prequel. And it's about Salma Hayek's character, but it doesn't have Salma Hayek. So, yeah. Oh, they didn't need necessarily to add to it, but they did anyways. And I'm always kind of. So, From Dust to Dawn 1, 2, and 3, I want to have and see all three of them. 
but I'm fully aware of the fact that From Dusk Till Dawn 1 is the only one that's really worth. And I'm speaking, however, of unnecessary sequels. This is... Hobbit. Hobbit 2. Yeah. Hobbit 3. <laughs> well, well, this is a bit more exciting for me. I don't know if it's ever going to come to pass, but there's supposedly... Uh, the return of Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 3D. Uh, it's supposed to come out at some point this year. I don't think they're going to make it. But it, is, it, it exists. At least it's a project that's being thought of. But yeah, it's... It's, it's just... And it's, it's been announced. It's got a director. That's about it. It's supposed to come out next year. Um, it still could. Oh my god, wait. I've been reading that book that you gave me. Uh, Ready Player One? Yeah. I found out that there's an Easter egg in the book. <laughs> and you can get a DeLorean? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. And I was very disappointed to find out that that was over and somebody already got it. Yeah. I was like, man, I could have got that. And yeah. I found it and everything. Seth was trying for it pretty hard, too. I've always wanted a DeLorean. Like, you don't even understand. I do, because so do I. And I know, I looked into, like, see how much they cost. I looked into, like, refurbished ones, like, on the internet, all over the place. I looked at auctions, and I was like, why are they so expensive? I could buy two houses for this, and they're really terrible cars, but I want one. Seth and I saw somebody with a DeLorean out in the wild. We went up to disc replay. Out in the wild? Did you take pictures through your binoculars? Um, <laughs> I didn't take a picture, but it was too far away. and I, You can barely see it. But yeah, it was this guy and his kid, and they were just, they pulled up outside disc replay, and they had a freaking DeLorean. They're actually from the year 2030. There you go. Coming back, he was like, Dad, what was it like back in your day? It's actually you. <laughs> That's why he kept driving away so fast. He's like, no, there I am. Run away. <laughs> Man, I'm pretty fit. And <laughs> 18 years. So for this week, thanks for listening to Bcast. Uh, Mike and Malaria. See you later, Bcast fans. Bye, guys. Bye.